Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Author and speaker Andy Andrews leads off this edition as he talks about his latest work which features a mysterious man who spoke truth into his life, a man named Jones who is known as The Noticer. You can learn more ahead. Next, you'll hear from illusionist and storyteller Harris III, who shared a virtual presentation for the recent Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware. He shares about the power of imagination and how we can be moved to encounter more of the awe and wonder of God. Then, more coverage of the Sing Global Virtual Conference presented by Keith and Kristen Getty and Getty Music. Christian Lawanda from Emmanuel Baptist Church in Nairobi, Kenya, shared about the power of music to unite the global church and how he sees God at work in the church in Africa. You can hear a portion of that conversation ahead. And on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's pastor and author Ben Corson providing some Christ-centered insight about anxiety, depression, and suicide, offering hope when afflicted by despair. Finally, coverage of the CPE Fall 2020 show in Delaware continues with Lauren Cruz, fresh off her Christian Market Book Award, discussing the description of a woman in Proverbs 31, incorporating the original Hebrew. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Andy Andrews is quite well known as a speaker and author and has released the third book in a series which began with his book based on a true story called The Noticer. That Noticer a mysterious man named Jones, who has an uncanny ability to speak truth into situations, is back in this third book called Just Jones, subtitled, Sometimes a Thing is Impossible Until It is Actually Done. Here now is Andy Andrews. The very first night I ever met him, he said, he said, I, you know, because I, I was, you know, living on this pier and I was not, you know, people ask me sometimes, they, were you, like, were you depressed? And nah, I wasn't really depressed. Uh, I was just kind of angry all the time, and 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 so he was talking to me, and he he said, "Hey, I you know I have an idea that you're right where you should be," and I said, "Yeah, really? Thanks a lot. You know, why, <laughs> why why do you say that?" And he said, "Well, he said you know uh, that God had put a man after his own heart where he wants him to be," and I said, "Yeah, well, thanks. He put me under a pier, you know," and he said, "Look, when you lay down tonight on that." You know, on the ground, you may be thinking you're sleeping on sand, but you are laying your head on fertile ground. And he said, I'm a noticer. He said, you know, when all the talents were being passed out, I didn't get the cool ones. I can't run fast. I can't sing great. But I noticed little things that make a big difference in people's lives. And that is literally, Bob, what he did with me. That's literally what he did. Well, let's talk about this third book now. He has apparently shown up in your life again. Now, let's take our readers back, or listeners back, to the end of The Noticer Returns. Obviously, there was another series of events that occurred there. So where, where was Jones at the end of the last book, and how did he come back? At the end of the last book, just like at the end of the first book, just like every time I see him, <laughs> at the end of the book, he's gone. Poof. I mean, he's just gone. And we're just <laughs> like, what? Wait, you know, he didn't say goodbye. He didn't. 
but you know, he says, I'll be around, you know, he said, and that's kind of, you know, after the times with him, I've had these kind of common themes that I've understood. And one is that he says, you know, I said, Hey, when will you be back? And he'll say, I don't know, but I'll be around. I always am. And, and so he, you know, at the end of the, the, the first book, he left his suitcase right in the Winn-Dixie parking lot, and we all thought something had happened to him. And, you know, I won't blow the story on that, but, but you know, he's gone. And then five years later, he shows back up again. And um, in, the, in that second book, I detail that story, and it's mostly in Fairhope that it, that took place. And, and so now, here we go again. You know, I get a call in the middle of the night, and 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 is somebody telling me and I and I thought and I don't want to blow the story but I tell my wife you know this is right near the first of the book I told my wife you know she because it's like three twenty nine in the morning or something she said you know who was that and I said well I got good news and bad news you know the the good news is that uh, Jones is back in town uh, the bad news is apparently the old man is in jail <laughs> so. Um, you know, I, I drive over to a town in Florida to get him out, and he, you know, in typical Jones fashion, he's real happy. He's But he is he got himself arrested on a vagrancy charge for a purpose, and that purpose was to get in there and talk to, in the holding cell, to talk to, you know, he always seems to be right where somebody needs him. Andy Andrews here on The Intersection. You can find out more by visiting the website andyandrews.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection, it's illusionist and storyteller Harris III. He shared a virtual presentation at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware. In our conversation after the show, he discussed his perspective on experiencing more of the wonder and awe of God. He also previewed his book, The Wonder Switch, The Difference Between Limiting Your Life and Living Your Dream. From that conversation, this is Harris III now. What we learned when we started studying human creativity and the role that the human imagination plays in it is that the imagination is never inactive. That's a common Mm. myth that people believe that we think imagination is something that's super active as we're little kids. And then as we begin to grow up, our imaginations become less active. And through some studies, what we discovered is that's not the case, that adults use their imaginations every single day to worry and fear about a whole bunch of potential things that could possibly go wrong. Mm. I can talk a long time about the fact that we are storytelling creatures, that God wired our brains to think in narrative terms. And as storytelling creatures, we are always asking the question, what happens next? What if, you know, and how our imagination fills in that blank simply determines how we use it. So worry is a misuse of imagination. Anxiety is a misuse of imagination. And so that has created this sort of presence of, oh, I'm scared to step out in faith and do the things that I feel called to do. And we end up stuck in complacency. And it takes the same amount of creative energy, if not more, to use our imaginations in these negative ways as it does these positive ways. So once we understood that, we tried to figure out, well, what is controlling how we use our imagination? And we realized that it's toggled by a switch that all the neuroscience points to the switch that I refer to as the wonder switch, that the presence of a sense of childlike wonder, your ability to remain in a positive awe state can do everything from 
increase creativity and innovative thinking, change the way you lead and parent or interact with your spouse um, or a business partner, um, and even change the physiology of your body. The presence of awe, new studies are showing, can decrease chronic inflammation in your body, boost your immune system, decrease stress, even change your ability to connect with someone else on an emotional level by an increase of empathy. Wonder is really powerful. And once we flip that wonder switch, it has the power to change everything. Well, you're listening to Beating House here on Faith Radio. Harris Third joining me here as this is incorporated into our coverage of the fall 2020 show of the Christian Product Expo, which occurred recently in Delaware. And Harris III was one of the speakers, or as you might say, one of the special the special guests virtually <laughs> through that event. This is the Meeting House on Faith Radio. Well, this is, this is really fascinating stuff. As we think about the way that God has created us, the way that he has wired us, and specifically the way that he has wired our brains, he has given us an imagination. Imagination, if I can say it like this, can be used for good, for his glory, to think his thoughts, if you will. It also can be used in negative ways to worry, to be submerged in anxiety, if you will. So the word I wrote down here, Harris, is activate. How do you really see that we as believers in Christ can activate the the awe and the wonder of God in our lives so that we can think and act according to the will of God? Sure, yeah. It really has to a lot to do with learning how to believe in what I call magic again. Um, and in a lot of people of faith who share my faith and followers of Christ, sometimes we get a little bit freaked out by the word magic. And so magic is not something that I perform on stage. I have no supernatural powers. I'm not referring to voodoo or witch doctors or the paranormal or anything like that. Magic is a word that I use to describe experiences that people have that are difficult to put into words. You know, sometimes mm. we, we, we describe, you know, we go to a concert. It's like, Hey, how was the concert last night? Or how was that event to you went to last night? Well, if that experience was difficult to put into words, we search for them. We're like, Oh man, it was, it was, I don't know. It was magical. And there is magic in everything that God created. And even inside of us, and we look up at things that we consider to be magical, like the stars in the sky. And we're like, wow, those are amazing. We look at the size of the galaxy and other planets and we say, wow. But then we look at ourselves in the mirror and we just go, how? There's not as much wow as it is, well, how am I going to be enough? Or how am I going to do that? And yet when God made those things that we sometimes marvel at, though I would argue we've often forgotten how to marvel at those things, he called them good. But then he made us and he said, wow, this is created in the image of God. This is really good, which to me says how much more magic is there in us than even the stars and the sky. Harris the third here on the intersection. You can find out more by going to the website, Harris followed by three eyes or Harris the third.com. Next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, more coverage of the Sing Global Conference presented virtually by Getty Music. Christian Lawanda, pastoral assistant at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Nairobi, Kenya, discussed his involvement in the conference and brought an update on the church in Africa, as well as the power to bring global unity in the global church. He also addressed matters relative to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
From that conversation, this is Christian Lawanda now. Well, something that was part of your overall involvement was a piece that you wrote in the program book called Building Congregations That Sing the Word Through the Pandemic and Beyond. You and two other gentlemen collaborated on this Q&A. It's part of the overall Sing Global Conference program book. So in light of what we have seen take place worldwide what do you see as the importance of congregational singing? And I'll go a step further and say congregational singing that is focused on the Word of God. Yeah, so, so Ephesians five eighteen to 19 talks about how we should sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to each other while making, you know, song, like while giving thanks to the Lord with grateful hearts. So corporate worship, by definition, is not just singing vert- vertically, it's also singing horizontally, it's singing to each other. So I think the significance, first of all, is to encourage one another in the Lord. That's, that's the reason God created male and female, it's the reason God created communities. We were never designed to live alone. And uh, now specifically, why? what's the value of singing the word? The value of singing the word is it takes the truths we know about scripture and of theology and drives them out of our heads into our hearts, through our hands in praise. And I think that's the biggest value, that we, we, we form our affections for the Lord, not based on our subjective feelings, but based on His objective word. Mm. And, of course, uh, around the world, and, and I'll ask you before we move into this next section about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on your nation. Yeah, it's been, it's been rough. It's been rough. And now... Well, starting with the blessing, Africa generally and Kenya in particular is a very young country. The average Kenyan is only 19.2 years old. Um, so there's a way in which though the, the pandemic has hit us because we are still young and active. Um, many, many people have survived, but it would be a lie to say that that's most of us. Literally just this afternoon, one of our church's um, members, or rather father of our, one of our members died from COVID-19. Mm. So it, it, we've been hit hard. Um, we've been hit hard as well. And, of course, the Sing Global Conference in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, actually, instead of an in-person conference, as it had been the last few years, now a virtual conference. One of the one of the things about that is that it appears that many more people were able to connect with the Sing Conference virtually than would have been able to come from a uh, in-person standpoint, but but nevertheless, it has caused us to adapt, and there are struggles, there are challenges that people face. And I wanted you to comment, if you would, on the importance of worship, especially when we are facing struggles, when we are facing challenges, even when we are facing isolation, as so many have in the midst of the of the COVID crisis. Yeah, it's, it's extremely important. My continent and country, like yours, has suffered from this thing called the prosperity gospel that erases suffering completely. Um, however, we live in a world where there is suffering, and the pandemic has made that very clear. The benefit of corporate worship is we can sing songs like Afflicted Saints to Christ Drawn Near, that as your days, your strength shall be. We can sing songs like It Is Well by Horatio Spafford, hundreds of years old. Or in Kenya, we sing songs like Vumilia Royang, which means persevere. The value of that is my affections, though um, encumbered by pain, 
are also buffeted by the word of God that says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. So if there was ever a time for the church to engage in biblical worship, it is during suffering. Christian Lawanda here on The Intersection. The church's website is ebcnairobi.com. The Getty website is gettymusic.com. This is The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the podcast. You can find the podcast in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. Plus, you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page, and there is a link to video content, including recently added content from the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Delaware, as well as coverage of the Sing Global Conference presented by Getty Music. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Learn more when you visit meetinghouseonline.info or the programming section at faithradio.org. Ben Corson is senior pastor of Applegate Christian Fellowship in Oregon. He's featured on the television show Hope Generation with Ben Corson. In our recent conversation, he discussed topics related to anxiety, depression, and suicide, which he covers in his book, Flirting with Darkness, Building Hope in the Face of Depression. Here now from that conversation is Ben Corson now. The book of uh, Proverbs says that anxiety in the heart causes depression. And now in our psychological world and age, what do people say neurobiologically? Like, I'm diagnosed with anxiety and depression, and the Bible is already saying that. In fact, you know what's interesting? When the psalmist said, why are you cast down, O my soul, hope thou in God? He repeated that same refrain three times because he struggled with depression. What I think is really interesting is in the Bible, you see a lot of characters who struggle with depression. Elijah was suicidal when he was under the juniper broom tree in a cave after he outran Jezebel's chariot. Jonah wanted God to kill him when he, you know, was under the Assyrian sun after leading the Nineveh revival when a worm ate the gourd, the plant that was giving him shade. David was bipolar. One minute he's like, get me out of this pit. The next minute he's dancing in his linen ephod before God. Uh, You look at Job who said, I wish I was a stillborn. And he was the godliest man of the East. So it's not a sin to struggle with depression. Some of the greatest characters did. But I want to remind people, we were not meant to live with depression. We were meant to defeat it. And here's where I see Jesus in the scripture being a master therapist, for example, when you're looking at the Bible to cure, cure depression. You know how in the Bible, in the New Testament, when Peter denied Jesus three times, it was next to a charcoal fire when the little girl peer pressured him. Three times he denied Jesus next to a charcoal fire. A few weeks later, Jesus is on the beach. He asked Peter, do you love me? Three times. Mm-hmm. And Peter said three times that he loved Jesus. And Jesus had Peter tell him three times he loved him next to a charcoal fire because that was exactly the uh, locus point wherein Peter denied Jesus three times a few weeks earlier. So Peter denied Jesus three times next to a charcoal fire, and then Jesus built another charcoal fire and made Peter tell him three times that he loved him to redeem him, and he was using 
the modern technique of psychodrama, which is so crazy because that's actually a psychiatric tool to walk people through their trauma and to create triggers to then reframe pain and retrain your brain to see it as a good thing. So that could be why he even built that charcoal fire to be a master therapist and to create this beautiful psychodrama. So what I'm saying is I think the Bible is incredibly insightful when it comes to overcoming depression as the Lord is our master therapist. The Bible calls him a wonderful counselor. Tell me this in your, not only your personal experience, but also in writing this book, what are, what do you see as maybe one or two principles that Christian believers really need to know about depression and anxiety? Yeah, in the book, I have 11 weapons to defeat the dark lord of depression, and uh, I want to share a couple of them. You know, the Bible says that the enemy is the prince of the power of the air and the god of this world. So this spirit of depression, it's a fierce one, and we got to arm ourselves with what the Bible calls the carapace of light or the armor of light. Um, I want to share just a couple of practical things that really helped me that I write about in the book. Number one is prayer walks. Like, I, I love my prayer walks. You know what scientific research and brain scans are now showing us through magnetic resonance imaging is that when you talk to God through your, about your hopes, fears, and dreams, it has the same effect on your brain as therapy. That's a true story. So when you talk to God about your hopes, fears, and dreams, it has the same effect on your brain as therapy. So one of the big things is just going on prayer walks, talking to God. That's one of the biggest things that healed me of depression. A second really practical one is um, endorphins. Like the Bible often compares our relationship to God with sports. So Paul talked about the mastery, wrestling, running, boxing. And so too, I think there is something very powerful about getting active. You know, God put these chemicals in our bodies called endorphins, which are opioid receptors that are activated through exercise. And they actually work like morphine. They're natural painkillers in our body. So what research has now shown us is that if you go on a 40-minute jog, it has the same effect on your body as a strong antidepressant. So let me say that again. You go on a 40-minute jog, it has the same effect on your brain as a strong antidepressant, which is why I think it's really interesting that Jesus had his epiphany when he chose to be Jesus, denying the archetypal temptation of, you know, fulfilling physical needs, money, power, when the enemy was tempting him. Remember, he was hiking through a desert for 40 days without food. So he was pushing his body physically to its limits. And it was right after that that he did his first miracle. And it was during that that he overcame the enemy. I think pushing our bodies to their physical limits, when our flesh dies, our spirit wakes up. So even releasing endorphins through exercise and going outside is also a really cool practical tool that's helped me. Ben Corson here on The Intersection. You can find him online at Ben Corson, that's C-O-U-R-S-O-N dot com. Well, the author of the book, Strength of a Woman, Why You Are Proverbs 31, Lauren Cruz, a participant in the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware, shared insight into Proverbs 31, integrating her knowledge of the original Hebrew language. From that conversation, this is Lauren Cruz now. Lauren, could you maybe give us a couple of examples of some of these women whom you included in this book? Sure thing. So one that comes to mind is um, the verse that talks about she leans in and watches the way of her family and does not eat the bread of idleness. 
And that is um, Proverbs 31, verse 27. So that verse starts with the letter Zadi. And Zadi has the image of a fish hook. And if you think of a fish hook, it's usually something you're captured, right? When you're hooked, mm-hmm. you're hooked and drug away. And so the words in Hebrew where she leans in really is used to describe how um, a watchman on the wall is on guard and leans in and inspects the troops and is inspecting what's approaching the wall. It's, it's the same military language. And she's not idle. She's not eating the bread of idleness. And because she's watching, because she's on high alert, because she's, you know, as a watchman on the wall, her family is not going to be hooked and carried into captivity because she is there and she's going to, she's going to pull back and she's going to do everything she can as a watchman on the wall to prevent her family from, from being taken captive. And so that's one example of, um, you know, how that word is used. And so the, the person that I shared about, she talked about how her son actually became addicted to drugs and she felt she was a failure. You know, she was a stay at home mom that had dedicated to raising her family in a Christian home. And somehow her son was hooked and he was in captivity. And it really went through uh, the, the process of how she was on the floor almost nightly praying for her son and she did not sit idle. Her faith was not idle. She went to war and she fought back. And eventually um, this is a happy ending. Hmm. Her son has um, gone through, um, you know, rehab. He is clean. He has rededicated his life to Christ. He is working in the ministry. She is working in the ministry and they have a great testimony to help the next person who is going to be hooked by that um, fish hook and drug away. And so that's just one example. That's only one out yeah. of 22 examples. And that is so cool as you take these different Hebrew letters and what you had to say about the the images. The mm-hmm. I believe the word is pictograph. Uh, right, the, right. of these Hebrew letters that in addition to just the the lettering and what they the part of the writing they also tell a story by the way that the the letters are shaped I guess is that is that correct am I getting that yes. right yeah some if you look at some of the letters you can see the image behind it you know I have one is a gimel which looks like a camel foot and the image behind gimel is a camel um, Zadi looks like a hook uh, when you see the letter. Hay has a little window in the corner and its image is a window. And so that helps you memorize the letters. It helps you memorize um, what the verse means because the image of that letter relates to the verse. And so um, Hebrew and, and speaking Hebrew, is it's verbal. It's a very verbal language. Um, the, the Jewish people spend a lot of time trying to memorize scripture and these are just little mnemonics to help them memorize the scripture. Lauren Cruz here on the intersection. Learn more by going to laurencruz.com. 
We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Just click on the Meeting House link from the dropdown. You can also go to meetinghouseonline.info. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. The podcast can be found in the Media Center. You can also find it through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's a link to video content as well. The website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to faithradio.org. Find the Meeting House homepage through the programming section. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and through a variety of podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit one of those platforms. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.